Praise the Lord. God is good. <laughs> I'm fighting off some kind of sinus infection, so um, pray I don't <laughs> choke today when I'm speaking. But the Lord, I'm excited about the word. This is a word I believe the Lord has given us for today. It's an on-time word. So I, I, I just want us to open our hearts and open our ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking. Amen? So we're on a new sermon series that Pastor Joshua started last week called uh, identity. And this kind of got birthed from a, a vision that, that Steve Soto had that we still don't even really know the full depth of it. But as soon as he said the word, we knew that that was something that we we're going to be um, speaking forth in, in this next few weeks, because it's something that the body is lacking. The body of Christ is lacking the understanding of our identity in Christ. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you missed last week's message, Real easy, just go online to our, our website, Restore the Vision, and you can listen to it on our SoundCloud account. And uh, I believe that Pastor Joshua's message was just foundational, and I'm going to build upon that. So go back and listen to that if you didn't hear it. If you did, awesome. Put your seatbelts on. Let's get ready to go because God is going to do a work in our service and in our, in our hearts today. Amen? So today the word of God is called identity theft. Can you say that with me? Identity theft. Now, to understand identity theft, we need to understand identity. Identity, a simple definition. I'm telling you guys, we're going to get real basic here. Simple. Identity is who someone is. It's who someone is. By identity theft, I want to explain a little bit what's going on with this identity theft. It's really a crisis in our country right now. Do you know 15 million United States residents have had their identities used fraudulently each year with financial losses totaling upwards of $50 billion? That's crazy. On a case-by-case basis, this means approximately 7% of all adults have had their identities misused with each instance resulting in approximately $3,500 in losses. Close to 100 million additional Americans have had their personal identity information placed at risk of identity theft each year when records maintained in government and corporate databases are lost or stolen. These are alarming statistics and demonstrate uh, that identity theft may be the most frequent, costly, and pervasive crime in the United States, friends. It's a real real thing. One of my close um, friends had their identity stolen, and the process that they had to go through to get all that taken care of, it was just a mess. But friends, as costly as it would be to have your identity stolen physically, God wants us to be aware that the enemy is trying to steal our identity spiritually. And so that's what I want to talk about today, spiritual identity theft. See, the Bible says in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Has the devil ever tried to rob you of your identity in Christ? Has he tried to convince you that you are not who God says that you are? Friends, if he has, then we need to be aware of what we need to do to know who we are in Christ. And if he hasn't, we need to be aware that that's his, one of his schemes. First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Friends, I want us to be aware. I want us to understand the times that we live in so that we can fight the enemy because there is a war for our soul, and we need to be aware of it. 
So I want to talk today about three ways the thief tries to steal our identity in Christ. And if you're following around with me in the talk it over sheet, the very first thing that I want to talk about, it says he makes us forget who we are. Can you say forget? He makes us forget who we are. See, too many Christians today walk around with Christian amnesia. We're walking around and we have no idea who we are. We say, who am I? We have no idea who we are in Christ because the enemy tries to make us forget who we are in him. Because when we know who we are in him, then we know that we have victory in Jesus. If we know who we are in him, then we know that we are God's masterpiece, friends. See, the dictionary defines masterpiece as a person's greatest work of art. An example of skill and excellence. Now, when God's word describes you as his masterpiece, what comes to your mind, friends? What comes to your mind when God describes you in his word as his masterpiece? Oftentimes, we have a hard time even seeing ourselves that way. See, Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. <laughs> the word workmanship in the Greek, this word is poema, which comes from the same word, English word, as poets. It's where we get the English word poet or poems from. See, this tells us that when we are saved, God put forth his best efforts and creative powers to marvelously fashion us and create us in Christ Jesus. Because the word poema is used in Ephesians 2.10, it is unmistakably means that God wielded his fullest, his greatest, and most powerful powers, most creative powers when we were born again. Once God was finished making you friends, you became his masterpiece, skillfully and artfully created in Christ Jesus. I mean, friends, I don't know if you get this. This is powerful stuff. See, God created us in his image, and he gave us creative power ourselves. And in the, in the spirit of, of creativity, I thought it would be only fitting as this word workmanship or masterpiece means the English word poem. I thought it would be only fitting to share with you guys today a poem that my mother, Vicki Thomas, wrote when she was inspired last week by Pastor Joshua's sermon, and it's called Identity. <laughs> I'm going to read it to you guys today. Identity by Vicki Thomas. Who I was, I was a pleasure-seeking, booze-reeking, drug-consuming, fears-looming, cussing-yelling, story-telling, unbelieving, curse-receiving, self-serving, pathway-swerving, sin-showing, never-knowing, wilderness-plundering, always-wondering, lost lamb. But that's who I was. Not who I am. Who I am? I am a Christ-believing, grace-receiving, cross-clinging, praises-singing, spirit-dwelling, Bible-telling, service-standing, truth-demanding, devil-stomping, manna-chomping, fruit-growing, blessing-flowing, armor-bearing, never-faring, loved lamb. Yes, thank Jesus. That's who I am. Friends, we have to remember who we are 
in Christ Jesus. See, the enemy too often tries to get us stuck on our past, remembering only what we came from instead of where we're going. Friends, I want to give you a clue. When the enemy tries to make us stuck on our past or even our current flaws, and he wants us to be stuck there, we need to remind him of his future. Because, friends, we have the victory in Christ Jesus. And we need to start walking around like we believe that. Instead of with Christian amnesia, forgetting who we are and the power that we have that lives within us, friends. We have the hope of glory that lives within us. We're filled with the word of God and his spirit dwells within us as a signet ring, as a promise ring of the things to come, friends. You are amazing. There's nothing cheap about you. God formed you in your mother's room and knitted your bones together and knows every hair that's numbered on your head, friends. God loves you and has a plan and purpose for your life, but you've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. And when you believe it, you've got to begin to walk in it. Because when we don't walk in it, friends, when we fail to walk in it, when we forget who we are, then we try to become like those around us. And then nobody will hear the message that Jesus Christ came to save sinners, friends. I know we don't like to use that word anymore in church, but friends, that's what I was when he saved me. That's not who I am anymore. I, may mis I make mistakes, but a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. That's who I was, though, friends. I was living in darkness. But Christ came, and his marvelous light and he showed me who I am. And guess what, friends? The enemy tries to steal that from us. He tries to rob us from our identity in him. Some of the greatest hard battles in my life since becoming a Christian is battling the call of God that's on my life. And friends, I'm telling you, that's a battle that every single person will have to go through. And so we need to remember who we are in Christ. And the best way to remember who we are in him is to remain in him. Remain in him. John 15, 4 says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. <clears throat> in Christ, it appears that is the Apostle Paul's favorite term to describe personal and dynamic relation of the believer to Christ. It appears in a variety of contexts. This particular phrase, in Christ, is found eight times in Galatians, 34 times in Ephesians, and 18 times in Colossians. Friends, when our identity is found in Christ, then we will walk in victory. When our identity is found in Christ, then we will walk in in victory. We need to do away with the forgetting, the, the Christian amnesia, and we need to remember who we are in Christ in order to walk in our destiny, friends. So the enemy wants to come, and he wants to have some identity theft in our life, and he wants to steal who we are in Christ by making us forget. But friends, let's recall and let's remember all the things that he's done for us. Let's remember, let's forget not, as the psalmist says, forget not the benefits. Forget not all the benefits of the Lord. Remind yourself. Remember all the things that he's done. But don't stay there because God is doing more. Greater things are yet ahead of us. 
Greater things are in store for the body of Christ. Let's start walking with our heads held high, not in who we are, put no confidence in the flesh, but in who Jesus is and what he's done for us because we have the victory in Christ Jesus. We have the victory. Another way the thief tries to steal our identity in Christ is he makes us fake it when we're going through things, friends. He makes us fake it when we're going through things. See, the enemy wears masks, and he pretends to be what he is not, and he wants to get us to do the same. 2 Corinthians 11, 13, and 15 says this, For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising, then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions are deserve see here when we're studying in the greek because for those who, who don't know this and for those who do this is a reminder the new testament was written in greek and so when you go back to the original language sometimes we miss some of the depth of it but when you study in greek that word false what it pictures is a is it projects a false image of himself someone who deliberately walks in a pretense that is untrue someone who intentionally misrepresents facts or truths it's a con man friends someone who pretends to be one thing but is really not the reason the enemy tries to get us to pretend to be okay is because he doesn't want us to have true healing he doesn't want us to walk in victory because my bible says this in psalms 34 18 it says the lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit <coughs> Friends, we need to come near to the Lord when we're brokenhearted instead of putting a mask on. But the enemy wants us to put mask on pretending we're okay because when we put our Sunday morning mask on pretending everything's okay and for pretending like we're not going through anything, then we're initially, we're, we're basically saying, God, I got this on my own and I don't need you. When we walk around with mask on pretending we're not struggling, when we walk around with masks on our happy smile face, when we know deep down we're hurting, when we know that we need some things that we need healed from, when we know we need some deliverance, when we know that we need some truth spoken to our life, when we never answer altar calls, when we never surrender to God because we have our mask on and we care more about what people think around us or our position or our title or the things that we're going through. We don't want no one to know. we got to hide it. Friends, then initially we're saying, God, I don't need you. I'm going to do this on my own. Friends, we can't be like that and want real breakthrough. It gets tiring pretending. Pretending gets, it gets tiring. No matter how many masks you wear, friends, we need to realize that God has seen behind them. He knows exactly who you are, and he still loves you regardless. Listen to the, the writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews 4, 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes of him to whom we must give an account. He knows all. Jesus also says that what's whispered in the secret room will be shouted from the rooftops, friends. There's nothing that you do. There's nothing that you're going through that God doesn't know, that he doesn't see. He's all present everywhere, all powerful. Friends, we have to understand God is God and his ways are higher than our ways. Let's stop faking it. We even have taught in, in the early years 
I even said the saying until the Lord convicted me, the saying, fake it till you make it. And I realized, man, that is doing more damage in the church than it's doing good. I don't want to teach people to fake it till they make it. I want people to, to come bare before the Lord and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I want people to be broken because his word says he does not despise a broken and contrite heart. His word says he draws near the brokenhearted, that if we humble ourselves, he will lift us up in due season, friends. I don't want to show people how to fake it. I don't want to teach people to fake it till they make it. No, friends, you're going through it. Get beer before the Lord. I thank God that when I rededicated my life to the Lord at 19 years of age, I was a mess. I was a mess. I'm telling you, I went into church with my mask on, my pretty makeup and my eyes looking all good and stuff and my nice little fake tan that I used to have back then. And I came into church with my nice, pretty high heels and the Lord would move. And I'm telling you, my heels was coming off. I was throwing off the earrings because they were like, super big and and I was running to the altar and my makeup was down my face and I would hug anyone who would call any godly woman that would come over and pray with me I would pray mess up their shoulders or their clothes and I was just a mess I'm talking snot tears all of it every Sunday I didn't care what the altar call was I was there because I knew that this was a war for my soul and if I didn't get right this time I would never be right I knew this was the time and I had a fear of the Lord that came over me. You remember in those days, Pastor Josh? We, were, we had a fear of the Lord. We thought, oh man, we can't go to bed angry because God could come back right there and now I have unforgiveness and I'm getting left behind. We had the fear of the Lord that Jesus was coming back at any time and we had to tell everybody. We would be on our way to kick it and hang out and we had to stop to tell people because we just had them, we, they had to know about Jesus. Friends, we've lost our passion as a church. There was a time we couldn't, we couldn't persuade people to not come up to the altar because people were running to the altar saying, God, I need you. And now if someone doesn't get up and give a nice pep talk and say, come to the altar, we're comfortable in our seats, friends. There was a time where we would want to hear preaching about fire and brimstone and hell and damnation and the rapture. And we would want to hear about getting right because Jesus could come back at any moment. And now we just want to hear those nice little poems that are going to tickle our ears and make us feel good about ourselves. Because we wear our mask and we're doing okay on our own. And we got a roof over our head and our electricity is on most of the time and we're doing all right. Oh, no, it's true. I know my audience. (laughs) And we don't want to get desperate anymore. But friends, it's when we get desperate. It's when we say, I don't want to forget my roots. I don't want to forget where I came from. I don't want to forget what God did for me when he first saved me. He touched me, healed me, turned my life around. He saved me, cleansed me, transformed me, delivered me, set me free from man-pleasing, set me free from always wanting to be liked by everybody else, set me free from caring what everybody else thinks, and gave me a heart to care what he thinks about me. Friends, when are we going to get desperate again? When are we going to take off the mask and say, this is who I really am? I'm a mess without Jesus. I'm a mess without Jesus. But with Jesus, I can do all things. The psalmist says, I can scale any wall. I can fly with Jesus, friends. 
I can run any race. I can fight any fight. I'm victorious with Christ. But friends, we're not going to get that if we continue to live with our mask on. See, David said it like this in Psalms 32, 3. He said, when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Friends, I want to encourage you, if you're going through it today, don't pretend to be okay. Don't pretend to be okay. If you're going through it today, run to God. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, if you try to come in any other door than, than, than me being the door, me being the gate, you're a thief and a robber. A con artist. Someone to pretending a false apostle, a false teacher, a sheep, a wolf in sheep's clothing, friends. Mask, pretending. What are we ashamed of? What are we afraid of? The hope of glory lives in us. We've got to let them out, man. We've got to walk this out. And that starts with us right here saying, I'm ready to get right. I don't care what it takes. I'll give up anything for Jesus. I'm going to count the cost and I'm going to say, I'm yours. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. There's no greater position in you, Jesus, to, than to be in you, to remain in you, to be sure in you. Friends, we got to get there. It means we got to throw off every, every weight. We got to throw off everything that hinders we got to run again to the altar, run again to the mercy seat. Say, God, I need you. God, I want you. I don't know how to live this life. I don't even know how to breathe the next breath without you, Jesus. When will the church get desperate again? When are we going to be willing to take our mask off? Trust God enough today to take your mask off, friends. There's no need to fake it with God. He sees all, and his love is unconditional. So the enemy tries to make us forget who we are. Is one way he tries to steal our identity. It's one way that he does this identity theft. Another thing that he does is he makes us wear masks. He makes us fake it. He makes us pretend to be okay when we're really going through it, and we need Jesus. He does this to keep us separated from God. And finally, what the enemy does what he does to try to steal our identity is he makes us give up our fight. Can you say that with me? Our fight. Our fight, friends. See, we need to be spiritual Rockies. When we get knocked down, we need to get back up again. Look at that. We need to be spiritual Rockies, friends. We need to learn to get back up no matter what comes at us. Rocky said this, he said, the world, and I'm going to read it just like him, you know, that, that boy was hood. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, and nobody is getting going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep Moving forward. Friends, the, the people of God have got to learn to fail forward. We've got to learn that sometimes 
We can actually learn more from our failures. We can actually learn more from when we get hit and knocked down than when everything's going okay. We need to stop being so afraid of getting dirty for Jesus. I'm about to, girl. We need to stop being so afraid of getting our hands dirty for Jesus. We need to stop thinking that everything, come to the altar. We we preach this way. Come to the altar. Give your life to Jesus, and then we're going to just skip on clouds. I'm saved for Jesus. And we're going to just, everything's just going to be easy all the time. And all of our, we're never going to struggle. All of our bills are going to be paid. We don't have to work. God's just going to magically show up for me for every time I need anything. We're never going to have to pray when we need a breakthrough. We're never going to have to press on because I'm saved and I don't have to do anything. And I'm not going to learn how to fight. That's how we act as believers. But friends, God wants to raise up spiritual Rockies in this place. People who are going to learn to take a punch and get back up. People who are going to learn that, that they're going to stay in the fight no matter how hard it is. With Christ, friends, we win. The enemy knows we have victory in Christ, and that's why he tries to tempt us to give up and quit. He wants us to quit when things get hard. He wants us to walk away from our faith. When the devil knows he can't steal our identity by making us forget who we are. When the devil knows he can't steal our identity by making us just simply fake it. When he knows there's no other way, then he's going to try to simply tempt us into giving up the fight of faith on our own accord. Do you hear me, saints? We must be aware of this scheme. Especially in these last days. How many people have I seen who got saved and on fire in the late 90s when Pastor Joshua and I did who were filled with the Holy Ghost just like us, who saw the miraculous, who saw healings and literally had encounters with demons and saw people healed and saw visions and was getting thrown into jail downtown who are now just not barely even hanging on to their faith, friends, or have walked away completely. Because they never learned how to stay in the fight for the long haul. Maybe they thought that they were okay because it's supposed to be easy with Jesus because we preach an easy believism. We trample on the grace of God, friends. We forget about holiness. We forget to tell people that we've got to stay away from the... We've got to love, be a friend to sinners, but not a friend of the world, friends. There's a difference. We got to reach out and love people and pull them up and give them Christ, but not be pulled down by the weight of the world. Because the Bible says the cares of the world will choke you out every time, friends. I'm talking choke hold. I'm talking knock you out. Take your very breath away. It'll grow up like a weed and it will choke out the life of God that's in you if you allow it. But friends, with Christ, with Christ, we can do all things. We can conquer all things. We can scale every wall. See, 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 13, I'm going to read in the message today. It says this, these are all warning makers, danger, in our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes, talking about the saints of old in the Old Testament. It says, our position in the story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end. And we are all, we are all just as capable of messing it up as they were. Amen. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You are not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. 
Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Can you say that with me? God confidence. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He will never let you be pushed past your limit. He will always be there to help you come through it. Friends, we must rely on Christ. We must remain in him in order to continue to walk in our true identity as God's children. We need to not give up. We need to not quit. Don't give up. Don't quit, friends. Second Timothy 4, 7, it says this, and this is Paul. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now read on here, and I'm going to break this down. I studied this in the Greek, and it, friends, Paul wrote this at the end of his life. He wrote this at the end of his life, and the words fought and fight are from the Greek word ag- agadizer, or something like that. <laughs> the, this word means a struggle, a fight, a combat, a fierce competition. And it is where we get the word agony, agony, friends. I think it was David Wilkerson that said all great ministries birth in agony. By using this word, Paul tells us that some of his ministry has been a real struggle, difficult, fierce, and agonizing. Yet Paul never budged an inch. He stayed in the fight and was faithful to his call. Whoo, friends, are we staying in the fight? Are we being faithful to our call? Or when we're tempted, do we give up? When something doesn't happen as planned, do we say, I can't do this. I will give up on Jesus. It's too hard to be a Christian. I can't live this life anymore. Friends, we've got to get our fight back. Say it with me. I need my fight back. We got to get our fight back. We got to get this willingness to say, no matter what, I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to give up. See, my Greek devotional says 2 Timothy 4, 7 could be translated like this. A good fight. That's what I fought. How many of us can say that? A good fight. That's what I fought. My race, I run it with all my might, never stopping until I knew I had reached the goal and finished it. The faith. I protected it, guarded it, and watched over it with all my heart and strength. Friends, God wants to raise up people who will care more about their faith in their very life, that will protect it and guard it and watch out over it with all their heart, with all their strength. And then it says this, in spite of assault and attacks, I stay true to my assignment. Friends, we've got to stay true to the assignment of God on your life. I just preached a message at TCS to the, to the middle school kids called SOS. That's the distress signal that is actually Morse code. A lot of people used to think it means save our ships, but SOS is actually the distress signal for Morse code. It means 911. And I was talking about Paul. And I'm telling you, friends, Paul is one of the greatest heroes of our faith. Paul knew his assignment. He knew what lane he was supposed to be in. He knew what God called him to do. And friends, people try to stop him. Even godly people try to stop him. 
There was a time that he was in, I believe, Ephesus, and God um, moved through some of the saints, and they, they had prophetic words come up for him not to go into Jerusalem. Matter of fact, one prophet named uh, Agabus grabbed about friends off his ways. Talk about drama, right? And he tied up his hands, and he told Paul, if you go, this is what you're going to be. This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be bound. And Paul said to him, why are you weeping for me? Why are you carrying on in such a way? I know my assignment. This is the joy rendition. But he said, I know my assignment. And I'm willing to go not only to Jerusalem, but I'm willing to die if that's what God wants for me. And so, friends, he went to Jerusalem, and sure enough, he was bound. And sure enough, he ended up getting, uh, having to appeal to Caesar, and so then he gets on a ship with other prisoners, and then a storm happens. And a storm happens, and you can find this in the book of Acts, and they end up being shipwrecked. Talk about SOS. They end up being shipwrecked, and they're thrown over, overboard, and they make it to an island called Malta, and they're at this island. And so Paul does what he always does, and he begins to serve people, and they're helping get a fire together, and he makes a fire, and guess what happens? Here comes a snake. Right out the fire and it bit him. Talk about when things go from bad to worse, right? SOS, distress signal. But Paul did not forget his fight. He did not. He shook that snake off, friends. We've got to get to a place when snakes attack us. See, snakes can represent all kinds of temptations and, and evil from the very beginning in the garden when the serpent deceived and tempted Adam and Eve, friends. There's lots of snakes. There's lots of serpents out there that want to tempt you and deceive you and make you give up your fight. But we've got to learn to be like Paul and shake it off. We've got to learn to keep the fight of faith no matter what. And so Paul shook that snake off. And friends, God opened doors and there was actually a revival that ended up happening in that island. He ended up staying with like the head guy and, and healed some people and, and God just moved and there was revival that happened. Friends, when we go through the storm and when we fight the snakes and the serpents and the enemies that come against us and we learn to shake off the things of this world and we keep our fight of faith, friends, God always follows that with revival. And we need that in the church today, but we have given up our fight, friends. We've given up our fight. We said, oh, we're in the last days. Evilness is increasing, so I'm just going to sit back and try to enjoy a little bit of my life. I'm just going to be merry and happy. We're like Hezekiah, and we say, oh, man, we, well, at least it's not going to happen in our lifetime. I'm going to have a little bit of peace right now, and I'm not going to worry about it. See, King Hezekiah had a prophet come to him and said, some of your own sons are going to be carried away into exile and going to experience defeat at the hand of the enemy. But Hezekiah said, well, at least it's not in my lifetime. Friends, that's how some of us live. That's how some of us live. God wants to raise up a people who will be like Paul, who will fight the fight of faith. God wants to raise up people like David and said, man, I kept this sin inside of me and it, it crushed my very bones. And I, I got to run to the altar. I got to repent. I'm going to declare your glory to the next generation, to my dying breath. I'm going to share Jesus. Friends, we need to get our fight back. We need to get our fight back. I want to remind you something that my pastor used to say to me, especially in the beginning days of my walk. He would say, Joy, the higher the level, the bigger the devil. I would go to him early on. I was a kid's pastor, and some of my workers were just 
coming, you know, my volunteers were come to me with their problems. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I will come to pastor. Like, this person just keeps complaining. I don't know what to do. And you know what he would say to me? Welcome to ministry. The higher the level, the bigger the devil, friends. If you're getting attacked by the enemy, then there's something great that lives in you. There's a destiny that's in you that can only be fulfilled by you. If you feel this fight for your faith, friends, that means God wants to do some great work in you. Because the higher the level, the bigger the devil. But friends, he that lives in us is greater than he that's in the world. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be dismayed. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be full of anxiety because God is good and his love endures forever. And we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. See, the Bible says even youths grow weary and tired. But he who waits on the Lord will mount up like wings like eagles, friends. It's time for us to get our fight back. Worship team, can you come up, please? I believe today the Lord wanted me to share this word with you. But more importantly than that, I believe that the Lord wanted me to encourage you guys to come to him. If you would stand up to your feet, please. Stand to your feet with me. If you're spirit-filled in this place, please just start praying. Friends, we need revival again. We need, we need to be excited about the things of God again. We need to run to the altar again and say, God, I want you. Use me. Fill me. Friends, we are living boring, barely making it Christian lives. God wants to give you a, your fight back. He wants you to take off your mask today. He wants you to remember who you are in him. Friends, if that's you today, if you know that you need to get your fight back, if you know that you are desperate for Jesus, that you're saying, God, I want you with everything, with every ounce, with every fiber of my bone marrow, God, I want you. Would you come to this altar today? And a sign of surrender and saying, God, I want you. I need revival in my family. I need revival in my generation. I need, I need you to move. I need you to do the miraculous. Forgive me for doubting you, God. Forgive me for feeling like it's too hard and you're unable. Because, God, your arm is not too short. You love the Lord. And you know me. You see my tears. Come on, friends. I start even symbolically. You start going like this. Take off your mask, man. Take it off. Lay it before Jesus. Take it off. Shake, shake off all the snakes. Shake off all the, the threats of the enemy, man. God is greater. He's greater. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's good. If you're in this place today and you're a saint, but you know you haven't been praying like you used to. You know you haven't been fighting spiritual warfare like you used to. You know that you haven't been giving your all to God. Maybe there's a call of God on your life. Maybe you're supposed to be telling others about Jesus and you've been keeping your mouth shut. If that's you today, man, you need to make your way to the altar and repent and say, God, I want my fight back. I want my fight back. Give it back to me. And I want you right now to start thinking of, the, of if you've had it at one time, if God moved on your life at one time, maybe it was the day you were saved and you felt just, God just do such a work in your life. Maybe it's when you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Man, say, God, I want that again. I want passion. I want fire again for your name. I need, I need prayer warriors up here. 
Cindy, Steve, come on, please. If you're a prayer warrior in this place, please don't make me have to call out your name. I need you to come up here. We need to start praying because people are hurting and people need Jesus. Come on up here, start praying. Get some oil on your hands, start praying. Start pressing. Just raise your hands, friends, start worshiping the Lord. He's so worthy. He's so worthy.